going to do something a little bit different this evening. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, if you haven't yet met Zoe, she was here this morning. She was here Wednesday. We're thankful for that. She's come, and she has a friend that showed up tonight. So it's Tyler, I think, right? Did I have that right? Tyler, Taylor, Tyler, Tyler. There you go, from Nashville. So it's good to have... Uh, Good to have him here this evening. I want to welcome you, and I uh, hope you, you will meet him if you haven't yet. I know a few have, and I uh, hope you will do that. You're in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 now, and we're going to look at a subject, and we're going to see uh, just in the Bible some things that um, I hope will um, be a challenge to you, as it has been to me. I've been reminded, actually, of this truth uh, this week and something that um, I think we often see. Uh, and sometimes we may not even understand it's going on. So uh, let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, we need your uh, help tonight as we look into the Word of God. I do pray that uh, the thoughts that we see, the truth we see from your Word would uh, stir us, that we might uh, be uh, people that are well-pleasing to you. And uh, I thank you for the Word of God that helps us in every area of life to see areas we might need to sharpen, to straighten up, uh, other areas that we might be doing well in, and, um, and I pray that you would help us to uh, understand clearly what your word has to say about the subject we'll look at tonight, and may we be well-pleasing to you in this matter, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you ever go into a grocery store, you know what it is about making comparisons, don't you? I mean, you go to the, uh, over to the produce section, and, uh, and you want to buy something, so you're going to buy some, uh, I don't know, some, some peppers, or you're going to buy some fruit. You're, and what you do is you, is you start looking through and picking through and get the best ones, right? Because you want everyone else to have the rotten ones. And because uh, you want the ones to taste good and taste right, you make comparisons. You might say, oh, this one looks like it's been sitting around for a while. This one looks a lot better. This is bigger. Hey, more, more for, for the same amount of money. And so you make Comparisons, and comparisons aren't always bad in that way or in that shape, uh, in, in that situation. Uh, you make comparisons when you're going to try to get insurance for your house or for your car. You compare what, uh, you know, try to compare apples to apples, right? That's what we always say. And try to figure out which one is going to work best for you, which one, not, not always what's cheapest, but what's going to be best overall uh, when you're trying to evaluate what's going to help you comparisons can be good and healthy and right, and, uh, and they can be in their proper place, things that are good. On the other hand, some comparisons are bad. In fact, <coughs> Paul's going to talk about that, <coughs> excuse me, at least make reference to that in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And the reason he's going to make reference to it is because uh, Paul was kind of being compared. And there were the people in the church at Corinth, these believers, we're kind of saying, you know what? Paul isn't all that great a speaker. And Paul isn't all that great a minister. And why should we listen to him? And why should we listen to what he has to say? Because there are some other men that are far more qualified or far better, and, uh, and they might be better to listen to than Paul would be. And what Paul does, actually, it's kind of interesting in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, is defend his ministry. Not because... He thinks he's anything great, but because God had given him a calling. And that calling, as an apostle of Jesus Christ, 
was one that he had authority then and the responsibility to help teach and instruct people. And he uses that truth to help these folks. But he says something in verse 12 that's interesting. He says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Now, there's nothing wrong with going to a grocery store and making a decision about what watermelon you're going to get. A comparison is a fine thing in that case. There's nothing wrong with <clears throat> trying to decide what car insurance you're going to have and, uh, and whether you're going to go with uh, you know, an, an iguana or you're going to go with something else. You know, what decision you make is fine. It's your choice, you know, and that's no problem at all. But when it comes to comparing yourself with others, God warns you about the danger of that. So this evening, I'd like to kind of take that subject in the Bible and see some things that God wants us to do, some things that God doesn't want us to do. Uh, here in this passage, uh, Paul again was being criticized, and, and the comparisons that they were making is not, was not a good thing. He claims in this section he has the right to speak, that his life is first a reflection of the right to speak, and that God had called him and God had a ministry for him, and so therefore, this is his responsibility. You see, in that day, it was popular, at least this is what happened, with teachers for them to kind of make themselves look good. And the reason why is because they'd get more followers, they'd get more listeners, they'd have more people that would be part of, by the way, that isn't just a problem in that day, it was a it's a problem in this day, it's been a problem in every day. People trying to lift up themselves, if you would, make themselves look good, others look bad, and therefore, whether it's get a following or whatever reason at all, those comparisons are wrong. So, let's begin. What we're going to do is going to look at foolish kinds of comparisons, and then I want to give you some good comparisons. Yes, there are some in the Bible that we're encouraged to make. So, let's first deal with the subject of foolish comparisons, and uh, before we kind of get into a, a list of things, look if you would in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. So the truth is, the problem that the church at Corinth had was not just the problem the church at Corinth had. Quite frankly, comparisons is something that, that often we do all the time. And it's seen in evidence throughout the Bible, and I just wanted you to see one example of it. And uh, it may seem in a place where, uh, in a place where you think, well, what kind of comparison is going on here? There really isn't. Well, there is. Uh, there was a man who got involved in this bad aspect of comparisons in Luke chapter 18 and in verse 11. We have the Pharisee. We have a publican. We have two men who go into the temple to pray because that's what you do. At least that's what a Jewish man would do in that day. So they'd go to the temple and they would have a time of prayer. And you know what happened, don't you, in chapter 18 and verse 11? The, the publican gets up, or the publican, you know, beats his, his breast and he says, you know, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I am unworthy of anything that you would do. And, and there was no comparison at all of him and other people. It was just an openness and a willingness to say, God, this is, this is who I am and I need your mercy and grace. But what did the Pharisee do? The Pharisee gets up and he says, God, I thank you. I'm not like that man over there. I'm, not, I'm thankful I'm not like that guy in the, in the second row. <laughs> Making comparisons. I'm sorry, just had to. I didn't do anything this morning, Brother Umstead, so I had to get you back to see you. All right. 
You know, I'm thankful that I'm not like so-and-so. And, and so this, this Pharisee makes this uh, comparison with someone else. And, and he says, Lord, I, you know, I just, I, I'm not as bad as him. And I do this and I do that. Look at what he says in verse 11. He says, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, which is interesting. He wasn't praying with, he wasn't praying to God. He was praying with himself. So, so who was the only one that was listening? Okay, God, God wasn't, you know, yeah, he's the only one that was listening. Well, he was hoping other people were listening because as he prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee, I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And then you have the publican in verses 13 and 14. We have one man who made a comparison and another who didn't. Now, what, what was the message? What was going on? Well, let's understand the context. Two parables were taught by Christ at the beginning of this passage. And um, uh, the purpose of the first was to challenge us about the kind of faith that Christ wants from those that are his, one that's longing and constantly looking to him. Um, and then uh, and, uh, then we have the second parable, the publican, and it adds that tr the true humility of faith, the kind of faith that justifies and the message is that the publican went home forgiven. The Pharisee went home feeling better about himself. One lifted up himself, one was proud, and the other got God's forgiveness. And ultimately, the story is the Pharisee went home still a lost man because he was just as great a sinner as the publican was. But he couldn't see it because he was comparing himself with the publican rather than seeing himself in light of God. And the publican saw himself, the Pharisee, if I said that wrong, the publican saw himself before God, and he came mercifully. And so uh, we want to pray, and we want to live like the publican, if you would, not doing the things the publican did, but having that kind of, of spirit. But ultimately, the Pharisee was comparing, saying, look, I am better than so-and-so. So let's go back to our text. I should have told you to keep your place in 2 Corinthians. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, there's a couple things that he mentions or he brings out here that are wrong or incorrect, a foolish kind of comparisons. Because he said in verse, uh, in verse 12 again, if we compare ourselves among themselves, people who do that are not wise. So why aren't they wise? Well, he first talks about comparing your conduct with others. Look in verse 11. Um, well, let's go back to verse um, uh, verse 8, for though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed that I, I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. For his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such an one think this, that such as we are in word by letters when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. Uh, so, uh, he talks about the fact this is what we're going to be, okay? And uh, here is what they were doing. They were comparing, if you would, uh, Paul to the teachers of the day. Verse 12 says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. So he says, hey, look, we're not here and we're not talking about our conduct and what we can do and what we've done and what we've accomplished. Um, Paul's actions and Paul's attitude was, hey, look, this is what God has for us. This is God's ministry for us. 
And we're not going to compare our conduct with others. We're not going to compare ourselves with others and what they've done or what, how they behave themselves. We're going to seek to be pleasing to the Lord. You know, it's interesting. When we talk about comparing ourselves, we can always find people that are worse than us. We can always find people that maybe not have, don't have the abilities that we have, and it's easy to end up commending ourselves to say, hey, look, we're, we're better teachers than Paul. <laughs> Paul is... His presence, he doesn't look all that good, you know? And his speech, oh, it's contemptible. He doesn't, he doesn't know the king's English, you know? He can't speak properly. And, uh, and look at what we can do. And so they were comparing, if you would, their, their, their lives and their conduct and say, hey, we are better than Paul is. And that kind of comparison is a dangerous and a bad comparison to make in life. And yet... You know, sometimes it's easy for us to do that very thing, to compare our conduct with others and to say, well, look, it, I, I'm not bad, as bad as so-and-so, or I'm more talented than so-and-so, or I can do this and others can't do that. Or, you know, like the, like the uh, if you would, the, the Pharisee, well, I'm better than, look, it, I don't do those kind of things, and look at what I do. Look at my giving. We could go back to that illustration, couldn't we, in Luke chapter 8? Look at my giving, and look at, look at how I fast, and look at how I, I pray, and look at what I do, and look at my involvement, or whatever. And it's not at all like anyone else's. Um, comparing your conduct with others is never a good thing to do, because when you compare yourselves among yourselves, what does God say? At least what he said amongst, amongst these people, you are not wise. And then, um, actually, we should have stayed probably in Luke chapter 18 because in Luke chapter 18, he compared his spirituality with others. Look at, look at how spiritual I am. Look, look at how I go to church all the time. And, and look at the things that I do. And look at my acts. And my acts are just uh, such that, that uh, hey, I, I'm better than so-and-so. Now, um, there is a problem. I remember hearing a preacher once deal with a, a group of teenagers. He's preaching at a, I think it was a Christian school. As he's preaching at a Christian school, he, he, he spoke on the subject of pride. And by the way, that's what comparison is all about. It is. It's about pride. It's about saying, I'm better than so-and-so. Since I'm better than so-and-so, then, then uh, hey, you know, I, I live better than, I'm more spiritual than so-and-so. I go to church more than they do. Well, anyway, he was dealing with the subject of pride as he was preaching and as he was uh, dealing with the subject. He started to say, you know, some of you in this Christian school think you're fine and you're great because you have the right kind of standards. You know, you have the right haircut because you have to because you, you get in trouble if your hair is too long for the guys. And uh, because you have the right dress, then you're spiritual because, hey, you know how to dress, but you're dressing that way only because the school has standards and you have to dress a certain way in order to come to school. But... Sometimes we have the tendency to think, hey, we are great, we're fine. And his message was about the fact that you're proud if that's your attitude. Because comparing your spirituality by how you dress and, 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 and the things that you do is not wise at all. And you say, well, well why, why isn't it wise to compare your spirituality with others? Well, a couple of reasons. First of all, because there's always someone that's more spiritual than you. But we always look at the people that aren't as spiritual as us. So we can say, oh, look, I'm all right. You know, 
or our conduct. We can always find someone whose conduct isn't right. Well, I go to church. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in church all the time, and so-and-so isn't. But when we do those things, we're, we're, um, we're in a lot of trouble in life. And Paul dealt with that subject in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and he said, look, as a Christian, that's not what we're supposed to be all about. It's not about being able to say, Look, look at the way I dress and look at how I attend church and look at my conduct and look at the things that I do and look at how I give. And, and my, I, you know, I gave a lot more than, than, uh, than so-and-so did uh, for the special offering that the church took. Um, isn't it interesting that Jesus Christ pointed out the widow's mite? And that's because it was given from a lady who just gave from the heart wasn't concerned what people would think, was concerned about what God wanted. So these comparisons are wrong. And what I wanted to do was share with you some this evening, just some wise kinds of comparisons. Do you know God does talk about making comparisons? When you compare yourself with other people, spiritual life, their conduct, and those things, you always find people worse than you. Unfortunately, you'll generally find people that are better than you. But again, those are the ones you don't look at. Uh, and you don't want to compare yourself with. But when we look in the Bible at comparisons, do you know what most often God tells us to compare ourselves with? With him. So if we can, let's just take a little bit of time, and let's see, just from the New Testament, because we could find a lot of passages. In fact, I I call them the as-is, or uh, as-is comparison passages. We could look through the Old Testament, we find a list, New Testament, we have about four or five different verses I want you to see. And one was memorized during vacation Bible time. Yes, it was. And so we're going to find that in just a moment. But turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. When God talks about comparisons, when God encourages comparisons, his comparisons are always, you compare yourself with me. He does. You compare yourself with me. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48, once you get there, we're going to read it together. I want you to read it out loud. I want you to think about this, and we're going to explain it and just take a few moments to do so. In Matthew 5 verse 48, join with me and let's say it. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. All right, so let's make a comparison. First comparison, be perfect like your Father is. All right, so let's compare. Let's not look at someone and say, well, how spiritual is so-and-so? How spiritual is this person? I go to church more than they go, and I'm involved in more things than they are, and I give more than they give. No, God didn't say let's, let's consider our spirituality in that standard. Let's compare ourselves with God. Be therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. What does it mean to be perfect? The word means to be mature, to be complete. So compare your completeness or your maturity in your spiritual life, not to someone else in the church, but to whom? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. So if there's a standard that God wants me to set, it's not, it's not the standard of, oh, man, i got to be as spiritual as, got to be as spiritual as pastor, got to be as spiritual as the deacons, got to be as spiritual as, no. No, they are not the standard. Okay? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. 
So let me ask you, look at this passage, because it really starts in verse 43 and on through verse 48. And when he says to be perfect, in what ways is God telling you you need to be mature or complete? Or in what way? Loving your, loving your neighbor, I think that would be a good way to put it. But not just necessarily loving, loving your neighbor, although that, that is certainly included in part of it. Loving your enemies, okay? Loving those who do, do you wrong. Treating them uh, decently and right. And God then gives us some example. Well, look at it again. You have heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, uh, when you make that your standard, are you doing that? That, that, like, that, that knocks everyone down a peg, doesn't it? Seriously. Um, you say, well, wait a second, does God do that? Verse 45, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. So how do we know God treats people that way? He makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good. Do you know what God could do? You know, seriously, God could make it dark over the dwelling place of lost people every day of their lives. You know, you know he could. You know what God could do with the field of every lost person? Keep rain from falling on it. He could. And he could cause rain to fall at the perfect time for Christians, all the time. But our Father is mature, completely mature, perfect. And a perfect Father does, does good to all. regardless of how they treat him. Now, when I compare myself, myself with that, um, my, my, first statement is, my first statement is, woe is me. And my, my second statement is, I got work to do. Because my father says in those, in those closing verses, look, if you love them that love you, what reward have you? Here's the truth. Lost, lost people love, love people that love them. Um, it's easy to love people in, in church. At least I hope it is. <laughs> we don't have any of that going on, do we? Do we have to deal with that? It's easy to love people in church. Um, it's not so easy to love your neighbor who gives you a hard time. Uh, to, love, to love the person who who just cut you off on the road and not want to give it to him. Um, to love the guy at work who, who stepped over you and made you look bad so he could, make, he could get a promotion that you deserved. Loving those people is not easy. And when he talked about being perfect, those are the things he illustrated as a point to say, all right, look, if you want to measure yourself by anyone, if you want to make a comparison, then you compare yourself not to what other people do because, because other people, even lost people, are good to lost people that are good to them. But you compare yourself to your father. Your father 
sends rain to the just and the unjust. He, he makes his sun to rise on them, and he makes the sun to set on those people. Those people know in many ways a, a good life, and the only reason they do, listen, the only reason they do is because there's a God in heaven who's perfect. And he wants us to measure ourselves not by other people, but by him. Take a moment and turn to Luke. Yes, Luke chapter 6. And if that doesn't sound familiar, you weren't in vacation Bible time. In Luke chapter 6, he brings out the same truth. But it's interesting because he brings it out in a different way. In verse 48 of Matthew chapter 5, he says, be perfect, be mature. What, what, how does a mature, a completely mature God act? And this is how he acts. He does good to everyone. He treats them well, even though they haven't treated him right. Now, using the same kind of scenario, the same kind of picture, he tells us in verse 36, how are we supposed to compare ourselves? In what? In mercy. All right, so we have being perfect or being mature, and then in being merciful. There we go. We got our alliteration. Thank you very much. So we have this matter of maturity, and we have this matter of mercy. And both of these things are seen by how God deals with, with mankind. So, look, when, 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 someone, when someone spits on you, what do you do? By the way, what did Jesus do? When, when someone mocks you and makes fun of you, how do you respond? Do you respond in mercy? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do you respond in kindness, or do you respond in kind? Are you merciful as your Father which is in heaven? And if you look, you'll find that many of the same things uh, that were talked about in Matthew chapter 5 are talked about here. Verse 32 uh, uh, says, for if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them to, uh, of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil." Be ye therefore merciful as your Father which is in heaven is merciful. So we have kind of the same picture, not exactly the same scenario, but somewhat the same. And in these two areas, God is mature and complete because those who are his enemies and treat him wrong, he treats right. And those he is merciful to, those who are unthankful and unkind to him, he is still kind to because that's the way our God is. And so if we're going to compare ourselves anywhere, then let's... Let's, let's put the standard, you know, let's have the scales here, you know, and uh, if we're going to have ourselves on one side, then, then let's not put another Christian there or another person on that side. Let's put, let's put God as the standard, and let's see how we measure up today. So compare our mercy to God's mercy. Compare our maturity to God's maturity, and the alliteration leaves after this. Ephesians chapter 4 gives us a third area, a third way. Ephesians chapter 4. In this matter of comparisons, Paul said making comparisons are unwise, and they are in many cases, unless you're making them as the Bible talks about it. In Ephesians chapter 4, does anyone have any idea where we're going to look? Because there is an even as. 
in verse 32. Bitterness and wrath, malice, evil speaking, all needs to be put away. And he says, say it with me, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, for have forgiven you. All right? So as God has forgiven you, he wants you to forgive others. That's a, a good comparison, isn't it? Compare your, compare your forgiveness with God. Uh, Colossians 3.13, you can write that down, look it up sometime, but let me share it with you. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So if we're going to make a comparison with our, 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 having, our willingness to forgive, Let's compare our forgiveness with God's. And once again, I I come to the standard and I say, woe is me. Um, Because my father was willing to forgive those who who spit on him. And who pulled the beard from his face and who nailed him to the cross. Because my father is willing to forgive Uh, even the most wicked man who's ever walked the face of this earth, as long as he turns in faith uh, to him and receives his son, Jesus Christ. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Um, Paul said this, that God is willing to save sinners of whom I am chief. I'm the worst of the worst, and God saved me. And that took forgiveness. God wants me to compare my forgiveness to him. And do you know throughout the Bible, that subject is dealt with wow, extensively. We don't have time tonight. We won't get the message done until 8 o'clock, and you want to leave before 8 o'clock. I understand. Um, but just dealing with this one subject, which, by the way, could be weeks of messages in itself from the Bible, let me just share a few. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus taught on the, mention, the matter of forgiveness. And Peter asked the, this question, Lord, how have I shown my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And what did he say? Till seven times? Ooh, Peter, you are so gracious. And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but 70 times seven. Right now, that doesn't mean that you have a little book and you start making check marks. Uh, the idea was, he could have said 700 times 700. It wouldn't, wouldn't have mattered. The whole point was, you just keep forgiving. How many times? And you say, well, well, wait a second. You just don't know what he's done. You don't know how he's hurt me. You don't know how she's hurt me. You don't know what she said to me. You don't know. How my life has been impacted by, and, and here's the truth, I don't, and no one else does. No one knows how deeply you've been hurt, and no one could, could possibly say, I feel your pain. Oh, maybe someone's been through your situation before, but that isn't the issue, because if someone else has to understand, and our comparison is someone else understanding, and someone else knowing and being able to say, well, that's what you need to forgive, then we're in trouble. But when we come to the unalterable word of God and we see how God deals with us and how God 
God doesn't say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, um, Brother Castle, that's just, this is too many times you've come and asked for forgiveness over the same thing. And his wife could tell you exactly what it is. Okay. Are, are, are you not thankful that, that God, every time Brother Castle comes to him, and, uh, and by the way, I'm, I'm sure I have more than, than you, too, that you go to God over the same thing, you know, that God says, um, forgiven. And, and we're mighty grateful for that. It's not just Brother Castle, it's all of us in this room, every one of us, who are totally undeserving, but God, for Christ's sake, forgives. And, and uh, this, is a, this is a tough area to compare yourself with God in. Uh, it wasn't just in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus dealt with that subject. Because, listen, God knew that this would be an issue that often comes up. Luke 17, listen to these verses. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent. Seven times he does the same thing. I was talking about Brother Farrington in Vacation Bible Time. Sorry, Brother Farrington. But you know, if I, if, I, um, if I punched Brother Farrington in the nose one time in the day and I said, Brother Farrington, I didn't mean to do that. Well, I, I would probably do that because he, he probably would, you know, pulverize me or whatever. So I'd want to ask for forgiveness. No, he wouldn't. He's too nice a guy to do that. But if I asked for forgiveness, I think he would probably forgive me once. But, you know, if I came back like 15 minutes later and I punched him in the nose again I, and I asked for forgiveness, I, he'd probably have a little difficulty with that. Don't you think? As nice as Brother Farrington is, as, as tenderhearted as he is, far more than I am, um, I think you would have a problem if it happened a third time, and a fourth time, and a fifth time, and a sixth time. Come on, seven times in one day, the same thing. Brother Saucer, you think you'd do all right with that? <laughs> of course he would, yes. <laughs> all right, here, here's, the, here's the truth. If we compare ourselves with others, we might say, well, we're pretty forgiving. But, but when Jesus lays the standard out, he says, okay, let's compare ourselves to our Father. And our Father, hey, look, he just has that forgiving, that, that attitude of forgiveness. And Jesus, I mean, Jesus laid out that standard. This wasn't my idea. It's what he taught on. In Luke 23, 34, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And uh, they, they parted his raiment and cast lots. That's right in the same verse. It's an interesting thing. They're still mocking him. They're still making fun of him. They're still doing the things that they've been doing all along. They're, they're, the guys that are dying with him, one of them is, is mocking him. And it's, Father, forgive them. Here is, is a God who was scorned, and he, he had that attitude of forgiveness. And that's, that's the standard. The reason why we have to talk about comparisons is because we do it too often. But our standard is the wrong thing. It becomes other people. And we can always make ourselves look good. But the question is, what does God think? 
so let's go to yet another, just a, a well, may even be on the same page, Ephesians chapter 5. And God says, be followers of God, verse 1, as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. All right, so, so walk in uh, and walk in love. Who is that love toward? Someone might say, well, it's toward God because it said be followers of God. That's true, but in reality, verse 1 is talking about how God loved us. And we're to be a follower of God, and God loved us. So when he's talking about walking in love, he's talking about walking in love toward one another, loving one another. And we're, we're supposed to love one another as Christ loved us. So how did Christ love us? While we were yet sinners, we heard about that this morning. Christ died for us. And that's how God commendeth his love toward us. He showed it. He exhibited his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So compare your love to God's love. How did Christ love? When we were unlovable, he loved us. Before we loved him, we love him because... So we were unlovable, Romans 5, 8, he loved us. Before we loved him, he loved us. He loved us sacrificially, for God so loved the world that he gave. Now, um, as a dad, I didn't have a hard time loving my kids, at least most of the time, you know. But, you know, there are cantankerous people, there are stubborn people, there are enemies out there to hurt, that want to hurt you, and they're not so easy to love. And that's the love that Christ had for the world. He, he didn't love saints. He loved his enemies. Let that sink in. Christ didn't love saints. He loved his enemies. Because there were no saints. And without him, there wouldn't be. So the next time we speak of our loving sacrifices and we compare ourselves and how we love people to others, remember... The standard is Jesus Christ, and it's set out before us here. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. Now, a little bit later, he uses the comparison again, but he brings it into the matter of marriage. If you look, um, let's see, verse 25, husband, love your, love your wives. Uh-oh, shouldn't have brought that one up. As what? Christ loved the church. All right, so how did Christ love the church? He gave himself for it. So, so, men, the standard is not, um, well, I love, I love my wife better than he does. Um, which you probably don't know anyway, but you compare your love to Jesus Christ's love. And it's another, another ball game, isn't it? 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15. And I understand why it gets quiet when you deal with, with something like this because, because here's the truth. I, I come to this, this, this comparison matter and I can, quite honestly, I can feel good about myself until I come to these comparisons and I put God as the other, end, the other side of the scale. You know, because when, when that happens, it's like, wow, I'm not good at all. Have I got a problem? First Peter chapter 1 gives us yet one more area. 
in verse 15, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. So I'm supposed to compare my holiness to who? The one whom the seraphs and, and angels continually, uh, the, the seraphim fly around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Who, who despises any kind of sin. And this one says, be holy as I am holy. How would a holy God act? What would a holy God do? There is a, a serious problem when Christians seek to compare themselves with fellow Christians. And the problem is the standard is the wrong thing. What we need to do as believers if we're going to be wise, because you said it's foolish to compare yourselves among yourselves and with yourselves, is to measure ourselves by the standard that God sets up in his word. Now, let me just close by saying this. When we make the me versus God comparison, there's some, some things that we need to know and understand. First of all, when God makes those comparisons, it's not intended to beat you down or to discourage you. Because we might come to this and say, well, I can never be that, so why even try? Well, that, if that's your attitude, then you misunderstand all these passages. Every one of them is, none of them were written for the reason of saying, ha, look at you, you'll never measure up, buddy. No, it really is to, to, first of all, keep us in our proper place, to keep us from being proud. That, that certainly is one reason. Help us understand, okay, that, hey, look, there's no reason for pride. I can't look and say I'm better than so-and-so because my standard is not, is not them. It's not so-and-so. My standard is God. But it's not intended to beat me down or discourage me. It is, though, intended to keep me from that pride from self-satisfaction, from ever getting to the place. And here's the truth. With each one of these things, there might be times where I could say, yeah, I, I do. I could say at least I am striving the best of my ability. I'm doing well in this area. Okay, still don't, still don't measure up, okay. But I at least could say, hey, I'm doing well. But it's, it's so that we keep from becoming that proud, self-satisfied person who says everything's good. In fact, this me versus God comparison is intended ultimately to keep you moving forward so that you don't get satisfied with where you're at. You see, when I make comparisons with people, then I can get to the place where I say, okay, I'm fine. I'm all right. But when I get there, I'm not going to be what God wants me to be. Because if there's any standard other than God, I haven't accomplished what he desires for me to accomplish. So the me versus God comparison isn't to beat me down and say, oh, look at you miserable failures. Oh, you people out there. It's ultimately to keep me from being proud and to say, you've still got work to do. And you know, in each one of these areas, that's what I say. It doesn't, care. It doesn't matter what it is. None of them. Holiness? No. Nope. Okay. Okay, Pastor, holiness? Nope. All right, Pastor, forgiveness? Okay, Pastor, perfection? Well, I'm pretty close to perfect. 
You laugh the loudest of everyone. Love your wife as Christ loved you. Thank you. Loving your wife. point is not, oh, I will, never, I will never be there, so what's the use? The, the point is, I'm not there, but that's what my father longs for me. That's what he desires for me. And listen, that's what his spirit will help bring forth if I'll understand I'm not there yet. But by his grace and with his help, that's where I'm going. So, Let's be very careful, because this happens, it happens all the time, and you, we can find it throughout Scripture. It's so easy to compare ourselves with others. You know, hey, look, everyone gets involved. Pastors get involved in that. You know, some preachers' meetings are, are that. Like, well, so-and-so is a church of 600, and it, it, he, had, he had 53 last year. Look at so-and-so. And, and there's this big comparison game in some places. And it's not just pastors. It's people all over just making the wrong standard, the standard by which we measure ourselves. And so by God's grace, if there's any challenge you get, it's a challenge I got just from that one verse. But ultimately then as I started looking through the Scripture and I saw that, that those kind of comparisons with people really don't mean much at all, and they don't impress my father. Comparison that God wants me to make is with him, and therefore, I am always, always going to be stirred, and I'm always going to be challenged. You know, Father, thank you for helping me to get here. I'm at this level, but Lord, I know you're here, and that's where I want to be. And I need your help to take the next step now and to love as you love. And, and, Father, I need to take the next step in my marriage and love my wife as, as Christ loved the church. And, and I, I, you know, I'm here, okay, but there's work that still needs to be done. And so if we would live that way and if we would make that our goal, then, then here's the truth. We're, we're going to be Christians that are just, just continually growing, and that is what God desires. But the moment I start to compare myself with people is the moment... I start to, in pride, just say, I'm okay, I'm good. And, um, and that's when I get into spiritual trouble. So, um, let's compare ourselves with the one who is incomparable, with, with our Father which is in heaven, who not only gives us the standard, but who has given us the spirit to help us move that direction. And uh, someday, in all these areas, it won't be a struggle. Aren't you glad for that? Someday you won't have an issue forgiving. You won't have to worry about it because they won't sin. <laughs> but you will be on this earth for a thousand years and there's going to be people sinning, you know. We're going to rule and reign with them. You never thought about that aspect? But well, we won't have a problem forgiving. There'll be a day when we won't have a problem with, um, with the matter of, um, of loving as God does. 
But until that time, let's just make the Lord our standard and, uh, and keep moving toward it. Keep climbing up the hill by his grace and with his strength. Will you make that determination? Dear God, help me not compare myself with people. Help me to compare myself with you. And help me to never stop striving to be what you'd have me to be. Smile our heads and close our eyes. I'm not going to ask you.